So basically 70% of leaders think they suck and their employees agree. And yet the amount of training and resources available on this and the amount of money spent on training to help with this is disproportionately way, way below what it should be. Yeah, this is a problem. Or as an entrepreneur, I see this, this is an incredible opportunity to differentiate ourselves as a business owner, leader. How can we be the exception to this rule and be really good at this? Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I have formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of any slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us as well as upcoming events that, where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Hello and a warm collisions. YYC welcome to my friend, Mr. Chris Jones. How you doing, Chris? Hey, brother. Doing really well. And you? Uh, man, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. It's uh, well, This will probably air. It'll be snow on the ground, but we're post-Thanksgiving uh, weekend, which anyone who's uh, in Calgary or in Western Canada listening uh, knows it was a kick-ass weekend. We've had such good weather. And yes, I will always try to work the weather into the first three minutes of my Canadian right, and I think my duty to talk about the weather <laughs> for the first three minutes of every podcast. <laughs> but it's beautiful. We've had such an amazing fall, and uh, you and I connected, oh, I know, I think you're towards the end of the summer, and you and I have crossed paths many times before. I love the perpetual small town we live in. And uh, one degree, two degree, one degree, two degree. Two, two or three degrees quickly becomes one degree of separation to becomes friendship and alignment. So you and I have a great chat. We have so much, oh, so many avenues to get in. So let's just open it off the top. I'm a professional creeper, as everybody knows. So I'm on your LinkedIn, creeping you out fully. But I think there's a few <laughs> things. But uh, EOS implementer, you know, founder, strategic traction, uh, former business owner, uh, exit, all the things. Talk to us a little about like about EOS implementer. What, what do you do now? What, what more importantly, and I know you'd be a passionate guy. What you get? To, what gets you the most excited about what you do? And then let's get into this whole delegation conversation and uh, how uh, <laughs> delegate or die trying is my working title for today's episode. <laughs> nice. Oh man, that's a loaded question. The what gets me going <laughs> about what I do? You know, I think I'm going to start with. I ran a session for a longtime client last week and they came back and said, look, we need your help for a little bit. So they called me back into the room. They've graduated as we call it. And so you need a little bit of help. So I jumped back in there. It was a tough, powerful session. And they were like, this was amazing. Uh, thanks everybody at the end, you know, everyone's big thanks. And, you know, they did a big team hug at the end, which was pretty awesome to see. And, uh, I get a call from the, the visionary on my way home. And he's like, Chris, I just wanted to call and say thanks again. Walking out of that room is the first time I've felt peace in four months. And this is a, and this is a senior leader in the organization. It's the founding owner of the company. Okay, okay, okay. And when you yeah. say a session, just to bring our audience around, this is part of your EOS implementer program or part of what your role as, a, as an yeah. EOS implementer? Yeah. And what's bring us up? Give everybody a quick. I don't like. I, I want to fill in all gaps all the time. What what is EOS for anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to encounter it? Sure. So EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system, and it sort of sounds like a software platform, but it's not. It's a human energy management set of tools, and just really simple, practical tools help you get what you want out of your business. And okay. we work with the leaders to figure that out implement those tools into the business. So this group you were working with, this is someone you said had graduated. So you'd worked with them previously and they'd brought you back in just to 
kind of retool or kind of retune or realign sounds like I haven't pet peace for four yeah. months. That's a, that's a big, that's a big statement. <laughs> and for any business owner or manager yeah. or senior leader out there, you could probably resonate with those periods of your life. If you're not in and out to go, Oh God. Yeah. I remember that time. Oh geez. So I think we've all been there and maybe some of us are there right now. <laughs> yeah. I think as entrepreneurs, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 27 ish years. It's yeah. We end up in these points of significant pain. And sometimes we can find our own way out of that pain and other times we need some help. And so uh, I get a lot of satisfaction in helping people when they're stuck. I appreciate that. Helping them what, what capitalize on yeah, what, what they're going for, what they're trying to achieve. Question. I noticed on your bio or one of the many things I was reading. Oh, between uh, you focus on privately held entrepreneurial and growth oriented companies. Yes, I'm reading this off your LinkedIn between 10 and 20, 250. I want to touch on the 10 to 250 with what you've experienced. Like how much does it differ? I'm a 20 person company or I'm a 200 person company, but the fundamentals sure. of human experience, I find to be universally the same, maybe the scope and scale of the, but if you're 20 people and things aren't going well, it doesn't feel probably any less bad than if you're 200 people or more than going well. Just curious from your perspective, is it a series of universal truths where things kind of scale? Yes, you have more people and you have bigger problems, but does it always end up pivoting around similar places? Yeah, it's uh, sort of the joke is there's only 23 issues in the history of business. And <laughs> Okay, you know, all right. It's, it, it's like, eh, it's the same issue. It's just a different shade of gray. Yeah. Uh, my community, there's 530 of us globally teaching this set of tools now. Okay. And so it's a big thing and we're insanely collaborative. Uh, we're, we talk every week, like there's three hours of training, like collaborative meetings every morning, every Monday morning. And we're constantly experience sharing of like, Hey, I've got this issue with this one thing and they're stuck. Oh, cool. How do I help get them unstuck? And someone else shares experience. Um, we're an experience sharing type organization. And so that's powerful when you get a big group and you're like, Hey, I've, I've seen that issue. This is just a different shade of gray. This is what I did. And it blew up and I tried it this way and it worked. Right. And so that's uh, pretty valuable. That's fantastic. So 500 plus uh, members or, or active uh, practitioners of the uh, implementer being that, and you guys meet on a weekly basis. That's really cool. Like, cause like you said, there is only, I like you said, there's only 23 issues ever. Uh, I really want to know exactly what those are, but what that, that would blow up the whole episode. And we, people are like, okay, hey, by episode, by number 13, people are like, I've lost interest in you two guys. I'm like going down your rabbit hole, but the ability to collaborate and to bring together shared learnings just across the, the, the shared human experience of running and being in, in a business that is, must be excellent. You must, Oh man, that must just feed you every week. <laughs> the, um, you know, when I first went into doing this work and I used the, the tools in my own business, my sporting goods company to help it grow, worked insanely well, got me to the point where I delegated every single one of my roles to other people where I had no, no role in the day-to-day -day. and then started teaching this. I'm like, the tools are incredible. This system is amazing. What I quickly learned over time is that the tools in the system are truly amazing, but actually the number one value for me is the community. The quality of the people in that room are so high, just such good humans. And one of our core values is help first. And there's just always somebody willing to help you when you're stuck. And now I'm one of the more senior dogs. And so I'm the one helping others more often than not too. So I'm on the coaching team, helping coach others. And it's just a cyclical thing that builds upon itself. It's pretty amazing. I appreciate that. And, and Chris, not to, you know, this is, this is audio, but you do have a few gray hairs in your beard. It's funny how all of a sudden you're like, how did I become the senior person giving advice all of a sudden? When, <laughs> when did that, when did that, when did that again journey start? I didn't, what? <laughs> um, you know, when yeah. you go from being one of the youngest people in the room to all of a sudden you're like, I'm not the youngest person in the room anymore. That's weird. Hmm, how did that happen? <laughs> Anyways, I digress. That's another episode, but you and I had a great conversation. We went down a few rabbit holes as the, as we're taking our audience down today, but the, the concept yeah. of just delegate or <laughs> delegate or die, my working title that I threw on top of this episode. But the challenge is, sure. I love what you just said. In your business, you use these tools to delegate yourself out of every daily responsibility. I, I want to pull back on that because there's a lot of people that heard that and went, whoa, wait a second. I would like a piece yeah. of that. I'd even like some of that. I even want like a morning of that. Talk to us a little bit about just the concept of delegating 
and maybe why it seems to be so freaking hard <laughs> for so many people I know, myself included, to sometimes delegate things that, oh, if I, you know, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And all those, those catchphrases that often end up making us feel more imprisoned than, uh, than liberated, which is what maybe being in a business should do. I don't know. I don't, I don't know should, but I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, it's something that I care a lot about. Um, I just, I wrote a book that comes out this, you know, on Halloween, uh, Relentless AF, and it's an entrepreneur's disaster crossed out success story. And ultimately, <laughs> nice, it's about my journey as an entrepreneur and leader. Uh, a lot of the story is about me delegating these roles and recovering from a significant crisis. And so I'm building a keynote right now, which I'm having a ton of fun doing. And it's how to let go and still sleep at night. So right along the lines of what you're talking about today. And so, yeah, we could talk for quite some time on this. Let me hit the short and <laughs> concise points that matter here. A, I've been, as I vetted this concept with different people in my world and talking to these entrepreneurial leaders, um, I'm getting comments like, so you wrote that for me after I give a little talk and like the one guy stopped me. He's like, Chris, Chris, I just like, hold on a second. I thought you were going to talk to other people in the room because so far you've only been speaking to me, it, you know, six entrepreneurs in a meeting and there, and they said every single one of them, it had delegation challenge conversations earlier that day. Like, this topic is insanely hot right now. And, and it's, I don't think it's new. Like, I mean, 27 years as an entrepreneur, I struggled massively with this. And I think I screwed it up every six ways from Sunday kind of thing. And so it's difficult. And as I dug into it and I actually started researching it and, you know, reading like good publications like HBR, Harvard Business Review, and I'm reading a lot of stuff around delegation and actually I think I kind of saw something that's getting missed and I'm reading these articles and I'm like oh these are these make a lot of sense they're like oh well make a plan with your find the right person um follow up on the plan and I'm like this is all very logical stuff it makes complete sense but as I thought about it, my own experience and the leaders that I've worked with, you know, it's been, it's in the hundreds now of leaders that I've worked with, uh, more than 50 companies through EOS and then mentored and coached like so many leaders over, over the years. There was something that was missing and I, I was reading a book by this guy out of Cape Town, Richard Mulholland, and he pulled an analogy from this guy that Jonathan Haidt, there's a book called The Happiness Hypothesis. And he created this, me this metaphor of there's an elephant and a rider. And the rider is the conscious, rational, uh, logical self. And the elephant is everything else, the emotional, often unconscious, occasionally irrational. And he's like, the concept is the elephant's way bigger than the rider. So the problem is we spend all this time negotiating with the rider. Hey, build the plan, get the right person. Like all this stuff is insanely logical. But the problem is as a leader, when we're like, oh, well, I want you to delegate. I want you to, or sorry, I want you to make more decisions, Tyler. And I've watched this happen real time. You know, we give each other feedback in the annual real time cut to the chase kind of feedback and that the founding owner goes to his uh director or his finance leader and says look i need you to speak up more and make more decisions we need more from you you're great person's like okay and commits to that this is the one thing i'm going to focus on over the next 12 months on getting better to help this team so two annuals two days that happens the first day. Everyone's like, that was amazing, so good. Second day, we get into problem solving. We call it IDS, but we're getting into solving our issues. 
And this finance leader speaks up and says, you know what? I think we should do this. Exactly what they were asked to do. The founding owner's like, fuck that. That's never going to work. Sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to swear. But anyways. um... (laughs) Okay, good. But that's literally word for word what happened. And, And that finance leader just sat back in their seat and completely checked out. And it was the complete opposite thing of what the leader had. Like they, they did exactly what that leader had asked them to do for the health of the team. But when they did it, the leader's elephant took over and it's like, that's never going to work. And might have been right, doesn't matter. But their approach and how they dealt with it completely shut their leader down. And that was the emotions getting in the way. And it's not logical and it wasn't rational. And, you know, they could have been, a, hey, could they have had a disagreement? with them and said, hey, tell me more about where that decision came from. I need to understand you better. You know, um, probably might would have been a better approach for that leader to to voice their opinion. And maybe they hadn't thought it through. And maybe they could have learned something there. It could have been a great learning opportunity instead of as a shutdown. And the and the the founding owner had no idea that that was the impact they'd had. Until I'm like, hey, so, uh, Mr. Finance Leader, where are you at? And they're like, oh, I'm not saying anything the rest of the day. Like, what's the no, point? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pouting because I've been slighted, I've been offended, I've been, you know. Anyways, we're all little kids sometimes. Most I don't matter. I don't. I did exactly yeah. what they yeah. asked me to do. They stomped yeah. on me. I don't matter. Like relevance is a big deal, and they were no longer relevant in the room. Is their opinion, and justifiably so, quite frankly. And so. Mm-hmm. Until the found and the founder had no idea it happened, so I had the privilege of calling that out, and then the founder was like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm an idiot. Like, whatever, I screwed that up." And they had to repair it. Anyway, so you look at these, a long story to make the point of. I think we have all these logical ways and reasons that we need to delegate, right? We are going to become the bottleneck to growth. If we don't do this, we're shackled to the company, I call it, right? Like in this pain of like everything relies on us. But then when we go to let go, it's like someone hurts our baby if they screw it up. And then we get like, then we get even more scared to let go. So unpacking that example that you gave, to me, there's a couple issues. So there's a couple of opportunities, more than a couple probably. But first, being aware as a leader that you did something like that and made someone feel a certain way, because that's very real. And even addressing that sure. and giving giving them permission to feel that way. Because I've seen a lot of leaders be like, well, it's not my fault you took it that way. It's like, well, I've also heard the meaning of your communication <laughs> is, the, is, is the result that it gets, right? I, I, got, I, I got told that years ago, and I've been aspiring to live it ever since. But and. The, repeat I'm that now, for I'm, me, Tyler. The meaning of your communication is the result that it gets. Oh, yeah, I like it. I didn't, oh, I didn't, I didn't, mean, yeah. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to offend you, Chris, but I did. Yeah. So. It's, I, I can't change how you took it. I can certainly change how I deliver it next time. So I, that's what I've been, yeah, I learned that in a, a neurolinguistic programming course probably about 20 years ago. And then I've been work. I don't know if I've, I've gotten there, but I'm working on it. Because <laughs> really it comes that, about. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Me too, yeah. man. I'm not perfect. <laughs> working work, work process. This is no, this is, this is no yeah. uh, profession. I'm not professing any, any accomplishments. I'm just saying I'm aware when I fuck it up uh, yeah. sometimes. But okay, so when you get back to, so back to that leader, like let's, let's give the financial person a break for a second here. That leader, sure. okay, wow, I became aware that I did it. But now I've got my own triggers. I've got my own emotional traumas. I've got all my human messy, messy bits. We'll just call it that because humans are messy and that's okay. Yeah. Like then, like, because there's there's realizing you did it and apologizing for it and fixing it. Then there's the trickier balance I find of getting ahead of it. When you're in the moment, it's heated. And someone says to me like, "Oh, it's ridiculous. That'll yeah. never work." When you move on, they get crushed. You move forward. You didn't even realize that it happened. So in your work, how much and where does the boundary start and stop with us as individuals? Really under even understanding what is our triggers and where some of that, I'm just going to call it baggage. You know, comes from because we all bring our sure. stories and our experiences into the room, right? Yeah. So where do where do I stop and start? 
uh, with, with those I mean, leaders no, and, how, and how to help them. Yeah. And how to get leaders, them to yeah. rea- realize it before, realize you're about to say it before you say it. Cause once you apologizing is one thing, not having to apologize in the first place is even better. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? Right. And so a emotional intelligence is something that can be mm-hmm. learned. Yeah. Agreed. And so this is a skill and do we evolve it? Do we develop it? You know, my emotional intelligence is a little better than when I was three. Um, some days not, <laughs> but, um, you know, but it, this is something that's improved over time and can continuously be improved. Mm-hmm. And so what I focus on is kind of exposing the system to itself. And so this is a team that I'm dealing with. And that's my focus is how do we get the team to move forward and get better? And I try and create a condition, uh, conditions in the session room you know, it's a full day session. It can get pretty intense. It's open, honest, and vulnerable environment is first off one of the things that we we bring into every we ask in every one of our sessions. Hey, can we be open minded with each other? Uh, open to new ideas. Can we be honest? And sometimes, you know, we the, we've not we've been taught the opposite, especially as Canadians, right? Hey. But don't say anything if you can't say anything nice, right? Like, and so that's not honest. That's not honesty. And so, and then vulnerability is like, I don't know. I screwed up. I need help. These are all things that we've not been good at as a general rule. And so how can we create that environment in the room with our team? And Hey, sometimes honesty needs to be given with a little bit of compassion of like, I love you. And I'm telling you this because I want you to get better, but here we go. You know, here it comes. And so, but we got to get it on the table. And sometimes I've seen like certain words like this really help. I don't know if I'm going to use the right words here, but I'm going to try. And so this might not come out right. And so it's like, I'm just trying to get this on the table for discussion because I can see it's holding us back right now. And these kind of things create an environment where a a richer, meatier discussion can happen. And so I create the environment that the team can function and then help the team see itself when things like, you know, someone shuts someone else down. Uh, I try and, hey, it seems like you're pulling back. Where are you at right now? And so I call that stuff out. If it gets to the point of I've got a lot of, like we all have baggage, let's get real. (laughs) And if it gets to the point where that person isn't able to overcome that, then I'll refer like, Hey, do you need a coach? Do you need, I think we all need therapy. I need therapy. Like, do you need to go find a therapist to help you through this? Get some professional help. Um, so how can I resource them beyond? Yeah. Cause if they're continually running into the same thing over and over again, I am not a professional therapist, nor am I a professional one-on-one coach. And so can I resource you with someone that is a professional at that and can help you overcome those obstacles and barriers that if you can unlock that for you, man, or lady, like you're going to be accelerate like a hundred X. Are you seeing so, a trend? You've been doing this for a while, you know, I think seven, yeah. seven plus years as a, you know, as simple you said over 50 companies and multiple, multiple leaders. Are you seeing more of an openness to what, you know, and everyone's going to be like, Hey, when are you going to talk about delegating? Just to be everyone, just, just for everyone who's listening, we absolutely are because it's a bunch of humans that you're bolting together. Let's start with that. And then yeah. delegation almost becomes easy. Are you seeing an openness to coaching, to personal improvement, to be like, well, wow, that's an area of weakness to me. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to train it like much more of almost, and I don't want a sports analogy to this, but it's an athlete's approach. You pay your coach to tell you where your gaps are and you get better there. But in the corporate world, oh no, no, we don't, we don't, we don't tell, we don't tell Jane or Joe what they're doing wrong because they might be upset, (laughs) but then we're going to fire them for not being better. And, but yet we never gave them a chance. Like it's, it's, it's actually ridiculous how, how we act. Yeah. Has there, has there been any movement or are you seeing trends or are you optimistic that we're getting a little bit more willingness to expose these things and, and it's okay. And we actually then get better together. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not everybody. There are some yeah. people, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, call them a genius with a thousand helpers or like, if you're that type of a leader that you're like, look, just do what I say. Actually, I'm not the right person to help you or your company. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. 
Um, and there are some people that are like that. They actually don't want help. They're not willing to go there. I mean, was I? Yeah, I was in the first session with a client a number of years ago. And it gets intense right out of the gate. We we start giving real-time 360-degree feedback from the team of like, does this person have, have the wiring set, want, and have the ability to do such and such a role? And I looked at one of the founders and they were like, well, I'm not telling them that now. You want me to tell them that now? And I'm like, oh, yeah, open, honest, and vulnerable. Like, I wasn't kidding. And they're like, oh, I... But if we told them that right now, that could like crush their soul. And I'm like, uh, well, not if you do it compassionately, but yeah, in a is it worse that you way. tell them that they are, they are good at it and they spend their entire life trying to gain traction in that arena and never make it anywhere and wonder why. And if someone had just give them the real story that actually your, your gifts are somewhere else, <laughs> would that have been more kind? Like, hmm. wait, and we, we almost, we, I, I actually, I said, you guys need to think about this for a minute. I'm going to go take a break and we're going to come back and we got to decide like, this is a critical tenet of what we do in the room. And if we're not prepared to go there, I actually don't know if we should continue. And they were like, really? You're serious? You're going to die on this hill? I'm like, I think so. And hmm. we laugh about it now. They become a long-term client. Um, and they're like, Hey, remember when, like, <laughs> I love they, those get, stories. <laughs> they, they get it now. Right. And they're like, no, we, we understand it. And it was, uh, you know, it's something that was really hard for them because they refused to have the hard conversations in their company before. Right. So they're better now. Back to Del they're better. Back to, yeah. well, it's always fun to look back. Oh my God. Remember when we were, oh God, that was ridiculous. <laughs> remember yeah. when, remember when it was like this and now it's not like that anymore. You talked a little bit, we gave one example, I think, which is a, a classic, like, oh, I, I want to delegate to you. I want you to have a voice in the room. You had a voice. I, I, I shot you down. Didn't even realize I was quote unquote shooting you down. Like, again, that's perspective even saying that. What about, I know so many leaders, they're just like, oh, I just don't trust, or I just, oh, I got to do it myself and I'm the only one who can do it right. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, the delegation concept is even about the people around you. It's a story. Oh, they're not this, or they're not that. We're so much, it's our own fear of letting go, our own feel of loss of relevance. Like you said something really key at the beginning. I'm going to keep pulling back to you. I delegated everything away. I was no longer needed in that, in the day-to-day -day operations of my company. I added a few words to what yeah. you said. But there's a lot of people I know that the fear of not being wanted, needed, valued, or actively part of it, that also is a, is a really strong reason to hold people back from delegating. Or certainly my, my, from what I've observed, for sure, and probably maybe had my own sure. uh, you know, in, episodes with that over the years. So I'm assuming that comes up pretty quick as well for you. Yeah, it did for me. It was a big part of my story, for sure. Mm. Um, and I had to, as I was taking quiet time to think, excuse me about my future i started to like define what what was my victory condition mm, and my yeah. victory condition for my business was that the business ran without me like i built an asset and basically collected a dividend check that was my victory condition mm -hmm. and i coached and mentored the people in behind me to take over from me till i eventually wasn't needed anymore so that was that was my future victory condition. Now, as I put that into play, and I didn't start there from the beginning, Tyler, that was something that over time, I had that company for a total of 23 years. Um, so active in it for 19. And so as I started to like, I hit this epiphany moment of like, now's the time to leave, you know, on retreat, in Tofino at the Wiccanish Inn, looking at the ocean, and all of a sudden, just it like hit. <laughs> yeah, you had your like, Hollywood moment. Yeah, yeah. It was like this noisy restaurant. Everything just calmed. The noise went away, and it just became this little murmur. And I like, I don't know, transported out of my physical body at that moment, and just like, I'm like, it is time, and I'm done. Like it's just I have to go somewhere else. Anyway, so I. I had that moment of like, it's time to transition out. I've got to leave my company. I, I have to start something else. I have to go somewhere else. I have other things I have to do. 
And so I started to transition out from that moment on. And, um, you know, there were moments of, oh, what was it? It was, so I told my team, I went back, I thought about, I slept on it for a night or two. Like, was it just retreat talking, you know, I'm like, no, no. Woke up the next morning, absolutely resolute. This is what I'm going to do. Went back, told my uh, leadership team, this is what I'm going to do. And over the next 12 months, I'll, I'm going to work my way out of a job. I'm going to fire myself from every seat on the accountability chart until I have no day-to-day role. And, um, you know, that was an interesting conversation. They were a little, for sure, pretty shocked. And, and I'm like, oh, I just... I got to do other stuff and this is the next challenge, right? So how do we do this well? Not just how do we do this, how do we do it and we do it well? And so we created a game plan and we're working the plan. And I'm like, what are we? We were about six months in, quarterly meeting. And um, my integrator, my right-hand man, Frankie, uh, he, he pauses and he's like, so, uh, 12 months, Chris, 12 months, Chris. Hey, and I'm like, I thought he didn't think it was possible. So I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, totally doable. We're, we've got the plan. We're working the plan. I'm teaching everything I know and firing myself from one seat at a time. And in 12 months, I'm going to be out. And I remember he just sat back and he paused. And I think what was going through his head is like, should I go there? And, you know, and then he goes, I don't think we need 12 months, Chris. <laughs> In fact, I think we know like everything we need to know. Like you got to understand, like I've got an excited, engaged team that are totally fired up about the future of this business. And quite frankly, you're in the way. And like we're, you're dangling the keys in front of us. Let us drive. We're ready to drive. And I'm like, and what was my first thought? was the elephant man he was like oh don't you want me don't you need me like i'm not I think there's a there's a song in there somewhere too <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and That's, um and then no, I it's, like, powerful. it's powerful i like check it was ego right like it was relevance yeah, yeah. and to your point and it hit me hard there in that moment and then i'm like wait a second what's my victory condition my victory condition is to have to be out of this company um coached and mentored everybody into the roles in which I once did. And I'm like, is this going to get me there? If I pursue this line of thinking. And I was like, I had to acknowledge it. I'm like, oh, this is the hard part of letting go. And I'm like, that's okay. But I do need to figure it out. And I'm like, check my ego. And uh and said, okay, I trust you. And uh, yeah, so we had a, I'm like, okay, well, what if we sped this up? What if you're right? And so instead of working three or four days a week at that point, I went instantly, like literally the next week went to one to two days a week, just ripped the cord and said, okay, let's give her. And lo and behold, he was right. He was, you know, I trusted him and still trust him. We still talk monthly to this day and um he was right like we got out so i got out completely in nine months and significantly decreased my role from that day on and it was effective it worked but yeah it was it was frightening in that moment of like and it was also a little bit like the new business this new business that i'd started wasn't like doing very well at the you know the first i was so deep in the other business it was People are like, you're doing what? Like they didn't know. They didn't know what EOS was. They didn't know I loved coaching and I'd coached nine sports and uh, like they didn't get it. Right. So I was not like crushing the new business. And I was like, holy crap, this is getting real in a hurry. And do I really want to go or do I hang on to what I know and is safe? And I'm like, no, I got to carry on. I got to, I can do this. I do appreciate your comment just even about what's safe. It's scary. 
you know, and I, I love how you're doing it, yeah. your, your position from being a business owner, founder, kind of leader. But if you think about it as, as a mid-level manager, if you have anyone that's reporting to you, what are you doing that's not allowing them to excel that's holding you back from maybe doing the higher level tasks or that piece of work that's just never getting done in the corner of your desk? Like this scales up and down the organization. I appreciate the, the drastic or the dynamic. Uh, it, it makes for a better drama series for you. I'm exiting the business. I'm starting a new business that actually isn't a sure thing. So there's some fear there. So many times I think delegation or, you know, in the context that you're saying it isn't relevant to just senior leaders and owners. This is all through an organization. Like what, what, where are oh, you massively. feeling fearful to letting go of tasks? Just to, just to make sure that from an audience perspective, that this isn't simply, well, I'm not a founder. If there's someone that's you're quote unquote responsible for that you're managing, there's somewhere where you're probably getting in their way of being successful and therefore getting in the way of some of those bigger more interesting, juicy things that you could be doing in your, in your role. Like this works all the way up and down the chain from, from my humble, maybe not so humble perspective. <laughs> oh man. Well, those six leaders in a room that said they'd had conversations around delegation, almost all of them with their, were their direct reports saying they were struggling with it. Mm. Yeah. Right. So the leaders in the room, actually, most of them had figured out most of it, according, you know, in their, their perspective, but it was their teammates that were struggling and they desperately were looking for tools. How do we help them? So that pushed me to find even dig deeper on different ways, but I'm hundred percent with you. Like the leaders that I've worked with, it is not just the founding owner that's made those crazy conversations and mm -hmm. you know, the crazy comments or they're struggling too, right? It, it is a universal problem. Yeah. What it, I think it's, Okay, so like I'm gonna pull some stats. Might not be perfect. This guy, UK business school professor, did a survey and he said like 70% of leaders don't believe they can delegate well. And 67% of their direct reports believe their leaders couldn't, their managers weren't good at delegating. Mm -hmm. So basically 70% of leaders think they suck and their employees agree. Like, and yet the amount of training and resources available on this and the amount of money spent on training to help with this is disproportionately way, way below what it should be. And so, yeah, this is a problem or as an entrepreneur, I see this, this is an incredible opportunity <laughs> yes, to differentiate ourselves as a business owner, leader. How can we be the exception to this rule and be really good at this? You've made a comment earlier about this is a really hot topic right now. You know, I don't know. I read the one minute manager like 25 years ago, I think maybe, I don't know. And that's sure. basically what that book was about. If anyone who remembers yeah. back the little tiny book that we all had on our business bookshelf, is there a reason that it's hot right now or it has just the last two and a half, three years, not to, not to throw the pandemic word in here, but has it just put so much focus on the dysfunctional nature of a lot of our organizations, just from the human capital side of just people to people <laughs> and it, and the people and the struggles and the strains that people have gone through, which I think has highlighted, you know, I had, um, I don't know if you know Jenny Gilbert from say, but we had a conversation about quiet quitting as an issue. Tyler, this is just a new trendy term for a topic that is, this is nothing new <laughs> discretionary yeah. effort. And she goes, you know, this is not all of a sudden, Oh my God, I can't believe this has never happened before. She's like, let's be clear. <laughs> this is just yeah. the latest cool buzzword that we're calling it. These are not new phenomenons, but any reason that you see as like a hot topic now, or maybe is it just, there's a, maybe a, more of a willingness to get into this topic is that maybe what's making it a bit hotter and again i'm just i'm just pro 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 prolificating my own thoughts yeah okay so if i go on that tangent yeah it's a good one the <laughs> um yeah purely my own opinion with nothing else to back it up right now would be that i think that uh, i mean i think it, i think it, let's maybe controversial i think it's half the large part of this problem is that it's we're transitioning out of a male old way of leading people mm, okay yeah all right I like right this so it was yeah <laughs> I mean, someone's gonna get mad at me for saying this um but we're it, two know, white like guys having this be... conversation, Chris. We're already in trouble. It doesn't matter where we go. But I'm, I'm willing yeah, to. I'm, exactly. I'm willing to have it. I'm, I'm okay because I, I, I like. I, I, I think I'm. I think I'm pulling on the thread of where you're going. So please continue. I, I think so. Right. It's you know the old way of leadership. However, it came to be was yeah. autocratic. Do as I say. 
um, you know, kids should be seen, not heard. And employees were, I think, viewed in the same way. Well, modern think, leadership, all, modern business leadership is is a, is a hierarchy is a throwback to military. Like it's the U.S. it's the right. Roman legions and how they were structured. And yeah, I've read, I've watched it. Like, hey, let's look how we got here. It was designed specifically off this model, <laughs> which I right. wondered why it was so top down and so you know aggressive in its in its DNA, and then happened to be more predominantly male led over the years. Just a fact. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's I appreciate that perspective. That mm. gives me some. Uh, foundation to my <laughs> something to lean up against <laughs> but you know i think people are starting to realize that hey like uh people matter um emotional intelligence matters which used to be considered uh a female trait and yeah. you know lo and behold females as a general tend to have higher emotional intelligence than men yes big surprise right like uh, you know guys we were surprised there was more than two feelings right like it's um you know uh, my wife helped me understand the difference. So yeah. it's, um, you know, so I think that in general males, we haven't paid attention to much of this kind of stuff and we didn't think it mattered as much and, uh, strong female leaders and whatever the reason is, we're starting to say like, holy crap, we're missing something fairly significant. And if we're going to delegate effectively, we got to deal with the whole human of ourselves as a leader which isn't something that we used to be self-reflective or willing to be vulnerable. Like dudes were never, it wasn't safe to say, I need help. Like that was not cool. It's like, suck it up, princess, figure it out and carry on. Right. And there was a lot of, you, and you made the comment about the genius leader. I don't need any help. I have all the answers. Like that, that was yeah. the illusion. I think that was portrayed and some people mistakenly believed it and then put the pressure under themselves to be that way. And one thing that Jenny yep. did say in our episode, which she goes, Hey, don't forget, uh, leaders can quiet quit too because they're under the same pressures as everybody else. Like, you know, she's like, just remember, it's not, don't look at your employees, go, oh, look at those quiet quitters. She goes, it goes all the way up into chain, which I really appreciate because your yeah. comment, guess what? Those are humans all the way up and down with all of their messy bits. And, you know, you've said emotional yeah. intelligence, which I agree with, but if we can't create psychological safety in those, like, that's what I'm hearing when you do a session, you immediately go, if we don't have psychological safety, we're not going to accomplish anything because everyone needs to be able to bring the dirty laundry because that's what we need. That's where the cleaning needs to be focused on. We need to, we need to wash out the, yeah. uh, those areas, but without psychological safety and emotional intelligence, it, none of it happens. And you're right. A lot of male yeah. leaders stereotypically have not been, um, I wouldn't say rewarded or praised for those traits in that same way. Of course. Yeah. It's uh, so it's messy as we change, <laughs> make these changes, but you know, humans are messy. Like I heard you say that before I say that all the time, like messy as F. Messy. Uh, that's your next, that's yeah. your next book. Messy, messy as F. Messy as F. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, um, you know, we're such a moving target, right? Cause Hey, one day I want to run the sporting goods business. And then I go to Tofino and decide I'm out, right? Like my poor teammate, but they're like, what the hell? Um, but that's, that's life. Right. And that's the human experiences that we grow and evolve and change. And you know, what would have been worse beautiful if, part of if, it. If, if you didn't feel safe to go back to your organization and say, Hey, I've had a, a moment, I've had a desire to change. I want to do it with you. I want to, you know, I'm going to do this and let's do it together. And let's, you know, how many times do our team members or our, or our, or our, our yeah. fellow member leadership team members aren't feeling safe to say, Hey, you know what? I'm just not happy with what I'm doing right now. Can you help me do things different? Maybe it's here, maybe it's somewhere else. It's amazing yeah. how much can get solved when you take the the fear out of even bringing it up. And the fact that you were in a leadership position and had enough awareness to say, Hey, boom, I've had this happen. Here's my plan. Not everybody in their role feels as safe to come and have those conversations with their leader or their peers or their coworkers. Right. And I think it's critical because it doesn't yeah. mean it just starts eating at you and then quiet quitting and all those other, you know, buzzy terms that we love to throw out there these days start to get in place because that person's just no longer connected to what they're doing. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it used to be this thing of like, oh, I want an employee and I want them to work for my company forever. Like, how asinine is that as a leader? <laughs> I think, quite frankly, uh, like, yeah, well, yeah, no, it's definitely like, of fantasy course they're fantasy. gonna, yeah. Like, do you want to run your own business one day? Great. Well, let's have some real conversations about how that happens. In fact, maybe I can even maybe I can mentor you or find you a mentor that's walked a path similar to what you've walked, and then in the meantime, you know, give your best in the role that you're in. I mean, if you don't give your best, we're going to have a conversation, um, right? If you're not executing yeah, on no, your that, role because you're that, so that is, distracted. That is, 
that's part of the agreement we, we make with each other, not on paper, but of, as that agreement of like, I agree to be here. You agree to create a great environment for me. And we agree to work together on it. You know, those, totally. those subtle agreements I think are far, far beyond the role description or whatever piece of paper allegedly uh, inks the deal. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, if we delegate, you talk about trust, man, that I'm a big Lencioni fan and, of course, that's the foundation. It's, of at all the, of it. it's at the base of the pyramid. I agree. I bring that up. It's probably it's like a couple times huge. a month, at least that comes up for sure. 100%. Well, as, as I'm building out like this keynote, and I'm like, the real challenge of talking about delegation it, that I'm exploring right now is I've got 20 things written down right now. Well, you can't cover 20 topics in a keynote with any depth that it's valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one, so one to one to, one to three uh, at the most, if you're good at it. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm like, do I even break the rules a little bit and go, you know, 10 steps and shorter and give you access to the other resources anyways. So I'm having fun kind of choosing what, but for sure, one of them was trust. Like if you don't have a trusting relationship with the person you're delegating, like forget it. So you're, you're done, you're dead in the water. And so, now, trust happens over time, needs to be developed. And so, but that's a key element in order to delegate effectively is develop trust with the person you're delegating to. And to be clear, and not that you're not saying this, but the trust has to be equal yeah. and balanced both ways because if they don't trust that you're setting them up for success or that you're willing to help them or that if something goes wrong, you're not going to come down on them or be like, oh, you missed the deadline. Trust me enough to let me know you're going to miss the deadline, then you need some help. Like that goes 100% both ways. And oftentimes I think it gets forgotten about or oversimplified and go, well, I trust them. Do they trust you <laughs> to accept the yeah. delegation and to accept that? And, you know, as leaders is like, well, you know, I'm just delegating. That's, that's my job. And like, well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's not their job to trust you blindly. I'm sorry to say that, but it's not, <laughs> you yeah, earn that. It's not. <laughs> well, and there's actually another layer of trust and it's trust in yourself and them trusting themselves, right? As a leader, one of the reasons is I unpacked why I couldn't delegate is I knew that I wasn't putting them into an environment where they could be successful because I hadn't defined the role particularly well. I didn't have our processes figured out. I didn't have a game plan for the company that was articulated that everybody understood. And without all those things, like how could I verify that their actions were going to be aligned with all this shit that was in my head? Yeah. And so I actually hadn't trusted myself and the work and the environment that I created for them um to trust that they were going to be able to have a hope of living up to my expectations that's so that's so powerful i'm just i'm, I'm just sitting in that like delegating isn't just giving somebody tasks love how much more layers you put into the responsibility of like did i did i set every all the criteria up around that so when it does come sometime to delegate yeah. a project or say hey i need you to help me with this they already kind of quote unquote and sorry the operating system <laughs> to understand yeah. what that, what rules or what guidelines they're operating that task within. And I've seen a lot of people like, well, I'm delegating. I'm just throwing stuff on people's plates. Like that's not delegating either. That's tasking. And it's very different and can often yeah. have the complete opposite effect you're hoping for, you know, the shit might get done, but then you're going to leave a wake of, of disengaged and disenfranchised people in your, in your, in your, yeah. in, in your behind you. Behind <laughs> you. Oh, I tried that too, right? So I know that. <laughs> we all have. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I call it like throwing a delegation <laughs> grenade. And it's just like, you throw it and you're like, yeah. hey, have fun with that. And it's like, one, two, three, and boom, like something blows up. And like, and usually it's way worse than the micromanagement approach because you hadn't, yeah. you'd given them no guidance. And, and then so, you're after, then you're frustrated that delegation didn't work. They should do it. Totally. They, it's like there's a right and wrong. And I think that's really, oh, I delegated and it didn't work. So proceed, see, now I have to just do it myself. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not the lesson we should take away from the situation. <laughs> Setting people that's truly exactly. up for success by knowing what criteria you, you, you're kind of operating in before you ever even get to delegating the thing. You know, the, 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 the yeah. thing itself is, gets a lot simpler if the playing field is, is mapped out. Oh, that's the white line. If you go over the line, this is what happens there. There's the goalpost. Like at the simple, like yeah, not sure. to just overuse that shitty sports analogy, but fundamentally we know where the, the goals are scored and we know where the out of bounds is. And most businesses, it's pretty loosey-goosey or it certainly can be. And we've all, I will take responsibility for creating that environment before, for sure. 
Yep. But, and there's always a spectrum, like, it's like, hey, from too loose to too tight, and recognizing, hey, what is the culture for our organization, and what is the appropriate amount of, you know, like, if I'm running an aerospace company, I kind of might want a culture where people are turning screws exactly to the percentage, you know, it needs to be sort of turned 272.2 degrees yeah. in order for it to be complete. And, it, you know, an organization that's like a, a marketing organization might be a little bit looser because we need creatives and, you know, 272.2 degrees, you know, creatives don't work in that environment overly well. So how do we, how do we find the right culture and balance in our organization? Yeah. For what? I just heard. I think the I, way that I think we operate. Friday, I just I think it was Rivian, uh, which is uh, Tesla's main competitor for truck in the truck market, had to recall yep. a massive amount of units because there was an incorrect torque setting on the steering mechanism. Somebody right. didn't torque the bolt to the exact pounds percentage, and rather than run a risk of having a failure, which in the early stage of an organization, you know, you're, you're not Volkswagen where you can completely misrepresent your fuel dynamics and then get away with it and be back in market. When you're that new, that can be, those can be make or breaks when you have a car go off the road because somebody didn't torque the screw properly. But uh, to, your, yeah. to your point, that culture of precision, is, you know, but at least they caught it, which I thought was still impressive and good for their brand to put it sure. out there. But you're right. Precision mattered in that, in that culture and the consequences were severe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And did, did that person who was delegated to tighten that bolt did they tight you know did they fail at their job or did they not have the right information or did the computer that was or the machine that was actually doing the thing oh sorry I'm, I don't want, I'm unpacking that but it's such an interesting example of we see it all the time yeah. where a shared agreement maybe wasn't followed or wasn't wasn't shared <laughs> or even pull it in a process like maybe it's because actually if you do your job amazingly well Tyler but it's actually Joe's job to double check your work and that just takes, so now we got a double, we got a redundancy piece to catch all the stop gaps. And it's never just one person's responsibility to have those critical things done. And if the checkpoints are hit and everyone does their job, we're good, right? Mm -hmm. And so what are the processes that free us, right? I yeah. was not a believer in process when I'm like, ah, oh, we figure it out, we'll we'll solve it. And, and it, I, I thought like, you know, I tried to uh, what I read EMIF and I created like 252 processes. We worked on it laboriously over months. I swear I alienated my staff as we like did this. And that's another story, but you know, and then, and then we, we finally got them done and we had all these things figured out. And then our software came out with an update and it significantly was different. And we were so detailed in our processes. It was literally like tab, do this, tab, do like it was ridiculous, Tyler. Um, and then the software changed and like 30% of our processes were no longer valid. And I was like, it, I'm out. Like, this is ridiculous. There's no way we're going through that again. So I learned, well, how do we like, simplify them and do less but hit the important points and like hey did you double check the torque setting on that bolt yeah like you don't need to say where you need to go do it you just like did you double check that was it done yes or no and then all of a sudden processes are one to three pages instead of 30 and when something shifts or changes like software which is going to happen it's like a couple of changes and then it becomes easier to adapt and keep relevant mm -hmm. anyway i do so appreciate that, that creates an environment easier to delegate right completely i appreciate it like even identifying like having processes in place foundational kind of shared philosophies and then being able to delegate which then ultimately will free everybody up to do that little bit higher order work or have a little bit more space because yep. then everybody knows what everybody's doing and reduce those redundancies because ultimately what we're talking about is creating freedom what you do with that freedom could be revest in your own business it could be look at something you know another totally. as a leader an alternative business but it's all those those tasks that pile up you know the make the maker breaks the you know versus the alligators in your office if you can get much more efficient with having the processes where required, delegating to the right, the best person for the role to do the thing, and then create an environment yeah. of safety. That little, that extra 10 or 15 or whatever percentage, we'll just say 15% bandwidth that it creates, 
that's where you can really create some magic inside your organizations. That's where those little, those little, those little gaps get created to go, Oh, I'm going to work on that new thing or that new product or that new process because I've got a little bit more space because I, I created it through properly balancing load, balancing my team. So easy to just flip that off in a casual conversation on a, on a Tuesday morning, <laughs> but that is the freedom. Oh, yeah. And that's usually to me, that's where your five X or 10 X or whatever, whatever X you want to put to it can be created. But it's that little extra space, whether you're, uh, you have one person that you're responsible for supporting in a manager role or a whole organization. I don't, I don't think it changes. It just scales differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It's the funny thing is like the number one reason people want to delegate is to create freedom, right? They want to free up their times and do something else, right? Grow the organization, whatever it is. The number one reason why people don't delegate, they don't have enough time. <laughs> like it's so, it's so ridiculous. Like it's like, Hey, remember the elephant? <laughs> like it's irrational. Yes. And it's yes. like, well, wait a second. Um, someone sent me this the other day. It's brilliant. The problem isn't that you're too busy. You are too busy, but that's not the problem. The problem is you think that being busy is the issue to solve. <laughs> and so, nice. you know, the problem is that you're acting as a firefighter, not a fire marshal. And so that's that us becoming that bottleneck to growth that if we don't figure this out as leaders and whether that's us as founding owners or whether that's uh, if we're a a manager or a leader of some area of the business, if we don't figure this out, if we continue to be the firefighter, we are the challenge, right? Hmm. What I'm really hearing is, you know, a stone cold conversation with self around, Hey, what, what, what do I want to do that I'm not doing? What might be holding back? What are my beliefs? And I, and I, you harken back to the beginning, the joke we have at clear motive often is you can't see the label when you're inside the bottle. I think that's very relevant for us as individuals. So having that coach or that counselor or whatever therapist or whatever category you want to put them in that's go, Hey, this is, these are the outcomes I keep getting. These are the outcomes I want to get. There's a gap in between. Can you help me understand what role I play in that? And you know, that to me is where leaders really start to transform with each other. And more importantly, like, you know, first heal thyself, I think is real, is real key here. And when it comes to totally. delegating or anything where you're, there's a gap between where you are and, you know, does your behavior match your goals? And a little quote I heard years ago, which I love <laughs> my goal is to be this, but my behavior is completely not aligning with that. Yeah. I also think sitting around beating yourself up because you're not getting where you want to go isn't always an effective solution. Get an external perspective, allow someone into your life, a professional, like you said, like somebody who's actually trained to help identify those gaps, come up with strategies then. But that usually just become around these moments of like, huh, oh shit, that's why I'm doing that. Those are worth their weight in gold yeah. and, they, and they, 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 they don't come, there's no exact science always to getting to those for me anyways. I was thinking oh, about that. Uh, I'm the problem. An analogy. <laughs> That brought to my, so I, I just, so I thought about this analogy the other day and you tell me whether you think it it lands for you. Like delegation isn't a light switch. It's a Lego project where you have to write your own instructions. (laughs) No, I like as a Lego kid, I I do, I do, I do like that. And (laughs) I feel sometimes today that Lego is not delivering on its promise by by allowing kids to follow too much of the instructions. I did not have instructions. I had a pail <laughs> of Lego. I'm, I'm, and, and, I learned and I never, and I never yeah, got we... the millennial Falcon. I didn't get that, that kid. I have a neighbor, super smart kid, but he only ever builds the model as per the instructions. I'm like, there's right. something missing here. But anyways, that's a different, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> the Legos creativity can send side, us yeah. a season. Is, yeah, totally. I, I had a bucket. But delegate the castle, the, the cat, the castle didn't always have matching colors. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm with you. It was such a great That's more of what it is to run a business. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's, I think either we played with it or our kids or whoever, but you Mm -hmm. know, it's this concept of like, you don't flip, flip a switch and delegation just happens. And if it doesn't happen, Oh, that I tried it once. It didn't work. Like, (laughs) no, this is like something we got to build and then we might have to take it apart and build it back again. And, and it's like a progress thing, not perfection. And it's like, are we improving? Like, are we getting better at this? It is a skill to be learned and we don't start out amazing at that skill. Yes. And I I appreciate that. Like what's my business partner said, anything worth being good at is worth sucking at initially, (laughs) which I really like that statement. (laughs) Oh yeah. Giving giving ourselves permission. Oh, I'm not good at this right away. I've never practiced, never got support, never even read a book about it. And what, I'm not good at it? Well, that's ridiculous. That's it. I'm never trying skiing again. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. (laughs) 
Oh, I heard uh, uh, <laughs> imposter syndrome rolls into this, right? Oh, and okay. then yeah, yeah, mm. right. And so I saw your response. Yeah, you as well. Like I think <laughs> so. I hear here's a way to flip uh, the perspective on imposter syndrome. That if if we're feeling imposter syndrome, it's actually a sign we're onto something. Mm. It it's an indication that we're pushing our boundaries, trying something uncomfortable that we we're not good at. Therefore, it leads us to this point of like, well, I'm an imposter. I'm a fraud. I have no business being here. And it's like, well, if we're not feeling that, we're probably too comfortable not pushing our boundaries, not growing. And so or I think we're not, or, or we're not, or, or, or there's a an awareness gap, a self awareness gap as well, which is a whole nother. Yeah, well, so I, I yeah, like I like that too. because you're right. If you're feeling imposter syndrome, that's actually a good indicator that you're treading into some new territory and good and good for you. Exactly. Now, if we're feeling imposter syndrome when we're actually a master, well, then yeah, there comes the coach or the therapist, right? And so maybe we need some help. Yes. Yeah, so, sometimes it's not about the skill; it's about the story you're telling yourself in your head. <laughs> that, yeah, and it's and that's why that time of reflection and quiet time and not moving so quickly all the time is a critical element to delegating effectively. Back to we've you got standing to in, front of the, in front of the windows. Yeah. Back to you in yeah, there, back right. to you in, in Tofino, right? <laughs> yeah. It's where am I? What do I want out of this? How am I doing? What's bothering me? What's working? Um, and well, I, you know, and here's another piece to this. So Gino has this great saying, let your freak flag fly. <laughs> and I, I love it. It's just quit trying to, like, I don't know. I grew up, my parents taught me that I could be good at anything I wanted to do. Like, great, incredible message. They gave me this great mindset as a kid. I think I morphed it at some point to, I can be good at everything. Mm, uh, and that's just... Yeah. And that's a slight tweak, but I'm like, I want to be uh, the best athlete, the best artist, the best musician, the best academics. And at some point I just, I'm like, dude, like you can't keep up and started to realize, okay, well, look, I'm good at these things, but I don't like them. Or, you know, maybe I'm not good at these things, but I do like them. But, but like really starting to figure what are my gifts in I think that's maybe one of the funnest things I get to do with my leaders in the room is help people understand what's your gift. Yeah. What are your superpowers? And it might not be the current role that you're in. Yeah. And, and if we can just kind of embrace that freak flag of like, look, I freaking amazing at this and I totally suck at this. And let's kind of celebrate when we get to like delegate that to somebody else. Hmm. Versus, you know, the, the, the being a superhero, you know, put on my cape and I'll be good, good at good at absolutely everything or great at everything. No, I love that dichotomy. Yeah. You, you, it's amazing. Like you said, simple shifts in words can pull you in, in, in other direction. Uh, Chris, I think you, I, when we, we got on the show, we, I, I joked that these usually run 40 or 50 minutes. You and I are pushing 60 minutes, which went by like 15 minutes for me <laughs> anyways. And if, if the audience is still hanging in with us, then they're clearly drinking the, 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 the Chris and Tyler uh, Tuesday morning Kool-Aid. Uh, I love your perspective yeah. and just some of the honesty of your own journey and the vulnerability that you know, we all have to have in the room if we're going to help other people break through themselves, right? You know, you're not in the room as the expert on everything. You're in the room to help them on their, on their journey. And I really appreciate the role of a coach, mentor, facilitator, all the different words, implementer that can be put to that. But I really love this thread you're pulling around, you know, delegation, not for the sake of, and thank, thank you for not going, well, it's about, it's about creating a list. It's about creating a one-page plan and giving it to them. No, it's understanding the human experience around <laughs> all of it. So thank you for not doing that because you and I probably wouldn't have got past 10 minutes. I'm like, if you think creating a list is the answer, I think you and I are not on the same page, which we clearly, which we clearly are. But I love the human element and your willingness to lean into what can be kind of a messy, hard conversation for a lot of senior leaders that maybe in the world that they grew up in, talking about your feelings, uh, you know, even to yourself is 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 is, un is unacceptable. But yeah, it's the only way to break through because we're all messy and we're all and we're all human. So kudos for you for kind of leaning into what I would say this is where the messy bits really hang out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, it's it does, a great it's, it's conversation. Not easy. I enjoyed. 
No, Chris, no, if, and if, if, no, it's messy and it's not, and it's not easy, but it, but uh, I'll, I'll, sorry, it sounds sound like Mr. Tagline over here, but it's worth it. It's worth it. People. <laughs> That's why well, it I guess it depends what we want. What's our victory condition, right? Yes. I like that. It, oh, you got lots do of we want language. like the victory condition to be that like, we're the person that was a great delegator and that coached and mentored me on. And I'm grateful that I worked with that guy or that lady. Yep. And you know, they, they helped me be better than I ever thought I could be myself. Or do we want to be the person that like, oh, they were so smart and so incredible, but they were a pain in the ass to work for, quite frankly, <laughs> or, or some people do want that, right? They do want that, like this person to follow the knight in shining armor and off I we go and less that. we yeah, just the do whatever they say. The highest paid person's opinion. Yeah. I know that, that gets, we all, because as you're describing that, I guarantee most people that are listening are immediately go, oh yeah, I can think of somebody that fills either probably both those roles for me. That's why I love companies that have alumni programs. And do you know, uh, do you know Connor Kern from Local Laundry? Yeah. Yeah. Connor had a great story the other day and I'm going to celebrate it a little bit. I've told it a couple of times in the show, but they had a really small team for people. They had one of their team leave. And he said, you know, at first it was really hard and like, oh, it's like, it's like your family member leaving, like breaking up with you. And he said, you know, that's okay. And they need to go on. And so they actually took one of their sweaters, put, I think it's to her, put her name on the back and hoisted it up into the rafters as, as someone who, if she ever wants to come back, they'll bring the sweater down and she can put it on and go back on the team again. I just love that so much based on what yeah. we said today. I want to tell that story because, you know, also in an environment where they make these amazing pieces of these garments and, but to do that, to retire her name and number and put it up on the rafters and every new employee that comes in says, Hey, that was one of our team members. They moved on, but we still love them and they're welcome back every time. Imagine the culture that unfolds from that one gesture or because of that. I loved it. I just, I loved everything about it. <laughs> oh, Connor is hilarious. I love that guy that, I mean, they're doing some really fun stuff there. And they are. Um, they, they've, we've had discussions I presented to them and he's like, no, no, like there's no way we're big enough to work with you. And I'm like, that's cool. Happy to do the presentation anyways, and just help you get started. And so they become massive EOS fans. And, um, they're just such a great group of people there that are really trying to accomplish something pretty cool over there. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. So anytime, if you have, if you don't know them, go check out local laundry, but, uh, I, I love this, the way they treated, uh, someone who left to go do other things in their life. Cause that's okay. And how they celebrated that. I thought, I thought that was a, so many companies could take a cool page idea. out of that one. That was, was great. Yeah. <laughs> raise your, raise your Jersey into the rafters. So I'm going, actually, I'm going down to check out his new space on Friday. So I look forward to seeing it. Actually, I'm going to snap. It's going to find its way on my Instagram. Oh, fun. Uh, Please say hello yeah. to him for me. Yeah. I will. Absolutely. Calgary, biggest small town ever. I love it. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed you and I could go on for another hour. We'll just, we probably will. We'll just, we'll just do another episode. Um, EOS, yeah. what's the best way for people to find you? Again, LinkedIn, everyone's easy to find, but you got any, do you have any preferred uh, formats? Yeah, probably the new website, the relentlesschrisjones.com. Oh, cool. Oh, I like is, that. Relentless, that's relentless the, that channels, the coaching stuff, the speaker author stuff, and it, it all runs out of there. And as a marketer, I don't, if someone said who owns relentless now I can say it's Chris Jones. That's awesome. You own relentless. That's right. Brenny Brown owns courage. You yeah. own relentless. Simon, Simon Sinek owns the why anybody. Yeah. To totally. I love it. You own relentless. That's a great, that's a good category to be in my friend. Um, yeah. this was an awesome conversation. I appreciate your willingness to just have a chat and roll up our sleeves and always enjoy my conversations with you. So thanks for your time. Uh, back at you, Tyler. Thanks for having me.